0: Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts and training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Welcome to episode 12, the final episode of the Bar Variations podcast for 2019. Thank you all for tuning in, and I cannot wait to share what's in store for 2020. Guys, we did it. End of a decade. We're heading into those flapper years, the roaring 20s. We'll see. We'll see if it's roaring. I hope so. But before we get into it, here are some upcoming events for Bar Variations. So I'm headed out in a couple days. On December 19th, I'll be teaching a master class with Natalie Muse of Energy Bar Body in London. And then the following day, on December 20th, I'll be teaching the Teaching Deconstructed Workshop at her Kentish Town studio in London. January 19th, it's a workshop day in D.C. with Jason Williams, podcast episode one, guys. Go check him out. And Brianna Milton. Then on January 25th, Variations Teacher Training, and January 26th, Teaching Deconstructed Workshop. Those are the last trainings before my maternity leave, so I will announce some new dates after the new year, but they're going to be few because I won't have a lot of time to travel in the six months that I'm allowed to travel next year, so stay tuned. Keep your ears open. Now, this month's episode, I'd like to do a recap on the highlights and some lessons I've learned from, you know, those lower lights in the past year. So to get started, here are my top three highlights. Number one, travel. All right, I love traveling, and I had the opportunity to travel and teach bar variations literally all over the world. London, Mexico, California, Denver, Chicago, Minneapolis. Cape Cod, Brooklyn, hometown, right? So, so many places. If I left you out, not because I didn't forget, it's because I didn't write the list down and I have that baby brain. <laughs> I can't remember anything on the fly. So I am very, very humbled by the reach of Bar Variations and the impact it is making in our industry. Traveling for work, it's always given me a good perspective or a new perspective, an opportunity to serve others with my work. And lots and lots of inspiration. It also keeps that drive going for me to keep creative. So I'm not somebody that thinks I'm not good enough, that I always have to keep doing more, 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 but it's more about self-improvement and making those right changes and creations in order to amplify the vision and the mission that's already there a little bit of a difference there. So it's not just about doing more or creating more, it's about creating more with intention and, you know, getting outside of my own little Brooklyn bubble helps me kind of see the things around me that I'm teaching in a new lens, which is amazing. Number two, I launched this podcast. So January 2019 was the First episode of the Bar Variations podcast and making a space where other bar babes can share their voices and stories has brought me, oh, so much joy. I have learned so much about who I now consider colleagues in the industry. And I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot about myself through their stories as well. And I know that you, the listeners, tune in to get some teaching gems. Have a community to tap into and gain your own inspiration from these amazing guests on this podcast. I believe storytelling is a profound tool in how we learn and grow. And whether we can fully relate or learn lessons from others' experiences, like, hmm, I'm not gonna do that, right? (laughs) Or, ooh, I'm gonna do that, it offers a lens to view the world in a different way without having to go anywhere. So if travel is not in the cards for you, it's not gonna be in the cards for me coming up in January 2020 till probably about June 2020 because of having a baby and if you are also a mom or you know whatever the circumstances are for maybe limited travel it's okay you can listen to this podcast and you can hear other people's stories and know that your story matters as well you don't have to go far you don't even have to leave your house or your car wherever you're listening Number three, top highlight, expanding on the foundational offerings of BB. So when starting out almost three years ago, it'll be three years starting in December going into the third year. Oh, hey, we're in December. What, what? So (laughs) we're almost celebrating that three-year anniversary, guys. So exciting. So when starting out, Bar Variations was just a manual. That was it. I had no other plans for it. Then with some work came a workshop on creativity. And then after that came the teacher training. So this year, those offerings have expanded to an online teacher training and other resources for teachers. The video library started out as well, just as a once a month live stream. It started small, it now has over 90 videos to stream. Holy, holy moly. And there is more to come on that that I will be announcing very, very soon. Now, if we're talking some personal highlights, well, the biggest one, I got pregnant. That's really exciting. I can't tell you how fun it's been feeling the baby kick and, you know, the thoughts of becoming a mom. I've also been lucky enough to Take the travel for bar variations and tack on some leisure time. So, a lot of the places I travel to are places where I have family and friends, which has allowed me to, the chance to see these people more than expected this year. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I have family in England, and growing up, we were lucky to go once every other year. And, we've, you know, we flew my sister out to us over here in the States more because, well, it was less expensive. And now this year, I will have gone three times I can't even believe it this is the most ever in the last 30 years of my life so I'm so grateful that my work is not only offering a way to help support my family but also allows me to see family and friends I don't get to see weekly daily or even monthly alrighty low lights are you ready for some want want moments here are my top three right number one getting sick while traveling Yep, that's right. Any travel between July and October, you could find my head buried in a trash can or a toilet. Sorry for that visual, but you know, it was pretty low point for me. My first trimester of pregnancy came with morning, afternoon, and even evening sickness that would come randomly. And least when you least expected it, it sprung on. And the worst moment was for, well, the poor cab driver taking me home from one of my trips, but I'll spare you those details. And yes, I was excited to be pregnant, but, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel until, well, you're feeling it. And I felt pretty awful. (laughs) So there that is. Number two, not always managing my storage space digitally, that is. And, you know, I'm no Santa Claus, and checking lists is something I'm not super diligent on. This is a bad habit that landed me in a spot where I've had to film and refilm workouts, you know, more than once. So I should be more like Santa is the lesson here. That's it. Yeah, just got to be more like Santa. Check that list. Check it twice. Make sure all the boxes have a little X and go over it, over it, over it. (laughs) Number three, a little low light not always setting clear boundaries. I know, I know, this is something I talk about a lot. I know, I know, this is something I talk a lot about. This is because it's something that I know I need to consistently work on. I will often say yes when something needs to be quote unquote fixed or quote unquote handled and I end up overextending my capabilities and my own resources, and in this case would be time, and energy. So this usually happens at the expense of my own work, which steers me away from the things that are most essential in what I'm trying to do. So I don't always set myself up for success in these ways because I'm, I'm a yes girl. And that's something I work on. And I need to know that if it's not a heck yes, I have to say, here's what I can do. Here's what I cannot do. I'm a yes for this. I'm a no for that. All right, so you want some personal lowlights? I know, I'm really bringing the mood down here. But in the spirit of being human and storytelling, here goes. As you know, I shared in the last episode, I had a miscarriage. That was a really big low point, and I am grateful that I was able to get pregnant quickly after, but that was not, not a great moment. My husband and I also bought an apartment in 2018, well we haven't moved yet. It's 2019 and going into 2020. So due to renovation issues, which I'll spare you the details on this one because, well, not homeless. I may cry. (laughs) So I'll leave those tears for later. And as I head into 2020, I reflect back on a successful year and one filled with many lessons. I'll also be going into the third year, as I said before, of running bar variations. Oh my goodness. Number three. So though this business is still in its toddler stages, I'm looking forward to digging into the offerings that already exist and enhancing them even more. I look forward to continuing being the resource hub for all bar instructors and a community that's inclusive and celebrates the individuality of the people that make this all possible. So next year I will become a mom, which means I need to be more mindful and I know I won't just be able to jump on a plane or launch something right away. So. You know, be ready for those dates and stay tuned because the things I will be offering will be bigger opportunities, whether it's in person or online, and, you know, it's going to be good. So making a bigger impact in year three with what Barbarians has to offer because it really is for you to support you in your teaching, to support you in your practice, to support you and feeling fulfilled in the work that you do. So I can't wait for more of that. And as I'm thinking about getting kind of out into the community to help you guys in 2020, I wanna share last month's community question. It was, in what ways would you like to take your bar classes beyond the bar and out into the community? I took a poll in the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook if you're not a member, go check it out. It's our little Facebook group where we can all chit chat together and support each other. So I gave these options, retreat, classes in a local store, outdoor classes, volunteer events with your staff and other. And I was so pleased to see that each option had votes. It doesn't matter how many, but I was like, oh, I thought maybe one would have more or less, but it's pretty even across the board. And one of the other options quote-unquote other options, was to team up with a local bar, B-A-R, super clever, love that idea. So I look forward to seeing you all host your own bar events in 2020. And if you do have any coming up, write into me, info at barvariations.com, and share those events. I'd love to give them a shout out. All right, so for this month's community question, what highlights from 2019 would you like to see repeated and expanded in 2020. So for your own personal highlights from 2019, what would you like to see repeated and expanded in 2020? Share your answer with me via email at info@barvariations.com, Join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer, or leave me a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you up next. I've got a great interview with Lauren George. She's such a superstar. Can't wait for you. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy now, pay later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. All right. Hi listeners. Welcome back. I'd like to welcome Lauren George to the podcast today. Yay. Welcome. Um, Yes. Hi. Um, So Lauren is the co-creator of the Enhanced Bar Above program, owner of Clemson Fitness Company, and a master trainer for Balatone. She has had a love for movement since a young age and earned her bachelor's degree in sports management from Texas A&M University and a master's degree in recreation and leisure studies from University of North Texas. Say that 10 times fast, guys. (laughs) She was named Empower Fusion Education Partner of the Year in 2018. Lauren has had the pleasure of leading the group fitness programs at the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center, Florida State University, and at Todd Pilates and Fitness. Most of all, Lauren is passionate about helping participants understand that fitness can be fun. Yay! Welcome, Lauren.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Thanks for joining me. If I have to say Texas A&M University (laughs) again, guys, I did it twice, so I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Well, you are one accomplished lady. So before we jump into all of your latest ventures, past ventures, I want to go way back to the very beginning of your movement days. And I want you to share, or if you'd like to share um, with everybody, how did you get your start in movement?
1: Sure. Um, so I really have always loved movement or even, which sounds crazy as a young kid, actual exercise. I was never any kind of like super athlete as much as my dad really wanted me to be good at softball. I just wasn't, <laughs> but I have always loved actual exercise. So I was a cheerleader in high school and I danced, but I can remember as young as junior high, I had Paul yes. hip hop aerobic video and you know, good old Galad on the Yes, yes on my TV.
0: <laughs> you yeah. I know you're a girl after my own heart yes. because I know I've you know, I've done some research and I'm like, Yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah, I was that kid too. Like Yes, uh, I know. Uh, and so my junior year, or as soon as I could drive a car, my parents, um, for my Christmas present that year gave me a gym membership. So I would drive my little self to Gold's <laughs> gym every morning before high school and do step um body step and body pump and all those things. And so this first time I could, which is my freshman year in college, um, I auditioned at Texas A&M University. Whoop, we have to whoop. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Then I auditioned to be a group fitness instructor my freshman year of college. And so that's when I really got my start in exercise. But yeah, I mean, I've always loved Structured exercise.
0: I love it. I mean, I was a mouse exerciser myself. um yes.
1: Oh, I had that one too. Yes.
0: <laughs> my did. parents probably. I just like would have loved to be a fly in the wall and been like, I don't know. I hope I have that experience as a parent one day and uh to like see my child just living their best life, jamming it out to a mouse exerciser
1: Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> my two-year-old and my four-year-old, I mean, they can't escape it. And so they will go into my office and get my yoga mat and they call it their studio mat and say, mommy, I teach you exercise. And it's so funny because their teachers at school all the time are like, yep. Harper Elizabeth taught me how to do burpees today. Oh my God. Made me do squats today. So.
0: Oh, that is so, so sweet. I love that. I used to steal my mom's thigh master. Yeah. Um, I used it for like my own little like crunch machine. And uh, yeah, I just, everything about it is so fun. So, you know, the whole step aerobics, the body pump and all of that, like what I love most about it is that it just made you smile. and makes me smile. just thinking about it. And can you share something about that time period over like what made it so unique in the fitness world that you don't necessarily see today? Like what is, what are those elements that um kind of come up for you that you might not see in the same way in fitness today?
1: Well, I feel like we're actually kind of getting back there a mm. little bit now. You know, everything comes full circle. But I have always been and I think will always be a choreography junkie. So with, you know, Mouser Size or <laughs> Paul Abdul's aerobics or, you know, my very first structured group fitness class love will be always be step aerobics I love the choreography and the challenge for your brain and how you know even after leaving cheerleading or dance classes you still came together in this group of people to learn a fun routine and everyone got super excited when they all accomplished it you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like that kind of group camaraderie was one of the things that really drew me to group fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the excitement. I'm not sure if it was the instructors that I was first exposed to, or, you know, everything is bigger and louder and kind of more ridiculous in Texas. But I mean, <laughs> There was the hoops and the hollers and the double claps. I mean, every class. Oh, the, the, clap. I, the
0: clap. Oh, the I, the clap. I want to bring the, I, I do want to bring that back more I'm a clapper and there's something about that like I won't do it so I don't pierce everybody's ears but that like double clap to like
1: five... yes. oh I have trained my students down here in Clemson especially <laughs> kickboxing classes and they I mean they got to do the clap it's part of the choreography and when they just hit it right on the money I mean my fitness instructor heart is just so happy
0: it swells it's like yeah the and that uh, for me like being a dance teacher was um yeah key the clap right because you can't possibly get all the words out and I agree with you I think we're coming full circle and where there was a time like I don't know late 80s 90s like where movement was just movement and it was fun and it was silly and it didn't really matter what you were doing and I get form is very very important but there's something that happened along the lines of making it so rigid in that form and striving for the perfect form instead of just dancing it out and being a little silly. And, you know, as a dance teacher, like, again, your words can only, you can only go at a certain pace if you're over explaining things, right? So if you're trying to get the setup and the action, all of the cues, you're actually going to move a lot slower where there's something to be said about like clapping it out, doing a little demo, Sing to the beat, making up your own weird word rhythms and stuff like that. So it. I'm with you. I, I feel it's coming back a little bit. There's definitely uh, – you see a little bit more of it nowadays. But I miss that just movement for movement, right? It didn't have to be anything, like, specific. It should, could just be a dance party. It could just be, like, all right, we're lifting our knee and
1: we're moving our hips. I don't know. <laughs> just- yeah, and I felt like there was – less judgment of one's
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: i have people all the time say oh i can't do bar. oh I can't do because i'm not fit enough like that's you why know, you come no one is judging just walk in the door people is, oh, I don't know that choreography or, you know, I can't do X amount of push-ups, or whatever. And I'm like, just focus on the fun mm. factor, get yourself here and the rest will take care of itself. And I didn't. Oh, started. Sorry,
0: Lauren, you're, out. you're just cutting out just a little bit. Lauren, can you say Go that ahead. last can thing you- again?
1: Yeah, I was just saying, I don't feel like 10 to 15 years ago, maybe people felt that inhibition to going into a class. Sure. You know, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, there's some.
0: You know, we talk about body positivity now and loving yourself for who you are now, and it's. I think when you have to slogan it and you have to title it, it's very telling in in what's happening in our own minds, right? It, obviously, it's something we got away from. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's something that, like, we need to remind ourselves of, and. I agree with that. Was it wasn't, maybe because it was fitness was new, right? I mean, like maybe. until the, yeah. the, it was group fitness was new, what starting as, well, I mean, it goes back, but really popular. We're talking like the eighties, maybe like right. late seventies and well, and also the dance hall stuff. I mean, we don't have that kind of culture anymore where it's common to go out social dancing yes you go to the club it's not the same we've all been there it's not the (laughs) same (laughs) but like going to a social dance is not really a part of our culture anymore in that same way and I wonder if that's kind of like where maybe that's my theory that's where these like more group fitness Things kind of come in, right, and then you can kind of like yeah. let go. And I love seeing the trends of like the dance cardio stuff and everybody's different take on it. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it like totally matters like what it is that you're doing, but if you can come in kind of like let go of those inhibitions because we want. I, I don't know. We've come to come to a place where we're trying to perfect everything, right? Our time, how we're spending our time, how we're exercising. I got to be the best and the perfect and. I'm definitely of the generation of, uh, millennials that it's like, we're trying to hack life at all times. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Hack, I love that. It's like, if I could find the best top ways to do this and I'm going to do it the best, like we're just products of that. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole nother story, I think, but I think it's- that's a good point. <laughs> Right. It's like at the time when it was happening, it was just happening. Now it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to go to the best class and I'm going to do the best plank. And am I doing it right? And uh, maybe you can speak to this as a teacher. And I think that's the fear. Am I doing it right? Will this work for me? I Right. Those kind of fears of like, is it okay? Is it okay to move this way?
1: Oh yes. And I mean, people ask me that all the time or people tell me all the time, which kind of breaks my heart before they start classes. I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And I was like, that's okay. Most of us don't really, most people in this class don't have a ton of experience in this format. I mean, for goodness sake, my studio has been there for two years. So <laughs> unless they were doing it somewhere else beforehand, um, there wasn't really bar in Clipson before that. So we're all fairly new or they're all fairly new to it. Absolutely. Um, But people say that all the time is I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, if you're moving to the best of your ability in a way that feels good to your body, then you are doing it correctly, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. If it feels good to you, so you're not injuring yourself and you're doing it in a way that challenges you, then check, 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 mission accomplished. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it definitely speaks to that, like okay, I'm doing all my research and I'm making sure I'm doing all of the right things all of the time that when it comes to fitness and movement, it's, we come up against those roadblocks and I'm always trying, I'm I'm with you. I'm always trying to kind of like bust that myth for people. And yeah, I think there's just so much, I mean, we're, we're living in a time where you keep saying like stress and anxiety and you know, that's the last place you want to feel anxiety. It should be the place where you're going right. to release it. And it's like, and because of the connotations of bar, I get it. But you get it with Pilates and yoga, and it's like, yes. am I doing this right? Is it okay? Like, can I be doing? <laughs> it's like, you're <Yes>. good. <laughs> Just keep moving. Yes. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know you um, have been trained in lots of other things. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about some of the other modalities and fitness certifications that you have? Sure.
1: Um, so like I mentioned earlier, my first step, um, my first love was step aerobics. Um, so, you know, when I very first started teaching, of course, I got AFA and A certified and then um, I got into cycling. So I have taught cycling for a while. Um, absolutely love that. I'm a huge music person. So to me, creating a, a magical experience in cycle is so much about the music. So that's really fun to me. Um, I, my first really kind of venture into bar actually came through Pilates. Mm -hmm. Whenever I was in college, um, you know, I taught aerobics to pay my bills back then. And so I'm 19 and of course, completely invincible, right? Of course. <laughs> All of these high impact classes, boot camps and kickboxing and you name it, whatever. And then I decided it would be just a fabulous idea with my flat footed one leg longer than the other self to train for a marathon. It was a horrible idea <laughs> it up with a really, really bad stress fracture in my sacrum. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't want to stop teaching for the entire time that I was out. I couldn't do anything high impact for a long time. So I went and got Pilates certified and just absolutely fell in love with Pilates, kept teaching Pilates through college, you know, Matt Pilates. And then when I got my first job out of grad school, um, it was at a big health club in Dallas, and um, they had a Pilates studio within that health club. So I got certified on all the equipment and reformer and chair and Cadillac and all that good stuff. Um, So I really came to Barb via Pilates. I also have always loved teaching um, dance fitness. So I've taught hip hop and Zumba and T-dance and ballet tone, which I absolutely adore. Um, So dance fitness has always had a special place in my heart. And I think something that I will teach until – the day I can no longer crutch out to the microphone <laughs> uh, will we'll be lots of different strength. Oh, oh right there. yeah, I'm
0: here. So I just yeah. can cut
1: up. Nope, that's okay. A lot of different strength training modalities. I um, am kind of a, what's the right word? Spastic person. or I get bored. <laughs> so I love. Teaching and even more so taking group strength classes because it's so much more engaging to me than lifting alone. I think I'm all about that kind of group think or group mentality. So I love teaching and taking um, group strength classes. So love throughout that. the years, I feel like I've taught all of the things. <laughs> there are still things that I haven't taught, but a lot of things. Yes. You know. Trends have changed, and then being a group fitness director at a few different locations, you know, you you have to be able to teach because you have to be able to sub, right? When you and then you also need to know, you know, what's coming up next and what's cutting edge in the industry, and so that has definitely kept me on my toes that way.
0: Yeah, and being a fitness director is a whole other set of skills as well. And yeah, so do you find? Or how do you find being behind the desk, maybe behind the scenes than rather than in front of the class?
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a whole different set of skills. It's a whole different set of challenges, but then also different opportunities um, for sure, especially now owning my own studio. I have a, a co-owner and her name is Lee. So we own it together, but essentially, you know, we get to make all the decisions and As a program director, you get to make a lot of decisions, depending on the bureaucracy of the situation that you're in. Um, But I really love being in the management role because I feel like it gives me such an opportunity to really steer the ship as far as programming goes and to bring in the newest programming and to encourage other instructors to branch out of their... You know, comfort zone when it comes to what they teach or what programs they offer or what age groups, you know, they even teach. And um, starting teaching in a campus recreation environment, and then, you know, I worked in campus recreation at a university in grad school, and then after grad school at Florida State. I, my first love in the fitness world after, you know, separobics, but in the management side is mentoring other instructors Mm -hmm. and being able to help someone navigate the fitness industry, because it can be a little overwhelming. It's like, there's so many possibilities and so many certifications and so many different things that you can do. I see people all the time that kind of end up just like stuck because they don't know Mm -hmm. what the first step is. And so I think for me in management, that's one of the things that I love the most is being able to mentor other instructors and having the opportunity to be able to say, yes, let's offer this new format. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Go get certified. Come back. Let's work through the kinks of it and we'll put it on the schedule. Um, so that's. With all the challenges that come with management, because there are a ton, and some days I'm like, why am I doing this? I just want to put on the microphone, (laughs) you know? Um, There are a lot of opportunities and a lot of great things, and you just have so much more opportunity to create that change within your program uh, when you're also steering the management ship.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's enough of that mentoring because I think there's yes. so, so much. There's so much room for different modalities, different methods, different classes. That kind of creation can happen endlessly. Right. But what I think is not as available is that mentoring. And it's definitely something that I feel is really important as a part of any program or at least just having it the offering, you know, right. Having it there for the people that want to engage into it, because I don't think there is enough. I mean, I didn't, I certainly in the beginning was like, I don't know, I'm going to teach class. I'm just going to teach class. I'm going to keep teaching class. And then 40 something hours later a week, I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot keep teaching class. And it's good to know that there's other options and there's other roads to go. Or even if you are in that on teaching mode what works how do you get people to your classes you know like your role is so important because you're answering so many questions that aren't answered for people and having somebody be that kind of lighthouse for people is just I think so key for again not getting lost not getting stuck or spending a lot of money and a lot of time time's not ever wasted but a lot of time maybe spinning your wheels a little bit, maybe doing something that you're just doing just to do. Um, especially when you start getting certified in things, you can go down that rabbit hole forever.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Which well, is fine, I, but it also, there is an end to that, I think too. Yeah. And I love your saying there. there's room at the bar for everyone. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Right? There's yes. plenty
0: of room at the bar. <laughs> of the bar.
1: And you know, that is so true. And it, it, it hurts me sometimes because I feel like the fitness industry can be so competitive Mm. when you're an instructor or studio owner. And I get it. Like, trust me, you know, I make my money from my studio competition moves in. It makes me nervous. I a hundred percent get it. But there's also the fact that the major majority of the population still doesn't move right, that still are not...
0: And you only have, what, max 20 spaces in your class? like <laughs> Right,
1: and especially with other instructors. So let's just take right. out competition outside of your own facility. I've seen competition within between instructors, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, if we all teach our best class, then people are just going to want to come to more classes. Absolutely. They're not going to not come to your class anymore because you trained another instructor and now yeah. he or she is fabulous as well, you know? And I, I just think that.
0: Oh, that is one gem of a gem for teachers. I, and I'm sure this is coming from like when you do pri- private sessions with Pilates, but also class times, if you're subbing a class, that kind of internal teacher to teacher competition, it's hard not to get nervous. Of course, you want people to come back to your class but it should only be a reflection of all of the offerings available and yourself as, like, being confident enough to be like, great, take my class, take so-and-so's class. Great, you don't like my class anymore. It's okay. Someone else will. And, right. And there is so much room. And I think the more we can kind of eliminate that icky feeling, like, or the elephant in the room. You know, like I, I always tell clients, like if I have clients, um, and this is more like one-on-one clients, or even I have had some class clients, they decide to take from somebody else instead. And I know they can feel, they'll write an email to my boss saying, you know, I don't want her to feel bad. And next time I see them, I'm like, a hundred percent don't feel bad. I'm happy that you found somebody that works for you. And there is absolutely no hard feelings. Like I would never want to hold somebody back from their experience because they feel bad <laughs> for telling right. me I'm not that person for them <laughs> because I'm the same way. Some teachers are not for me, you know, right. and I, I, and whatever that is, whether you can put your finger on it or not, but you know, the fear with inside of a studio teacher to teacher, I mean, eliminating that competition, I think is key for a very healthy environment. Cause I've been in both where, those clients are held tight, tight to their chest and other places where it's a rotating door, everyone's teaching everyone. And I think that case is a little bit more of a happy, happy place than (laughs) than holding it too tight to your chest. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: yeah. And, and I think being in the market that I am here in Clemson, you know, we're just to give listeners some form of reference so Clemson is about 13,000 people and then we have about 15,000 students so it's tiny we don't have Walmart we don't have Target like it is small everybody knows everybody and their grandma and I love it I do I love it but for us you know if we did not mentor new instructors I think since we've been open we have only hired three or four four instructors that were certified before they came to us. You know, everyone else has expressed interest in teaching. And then we said, great, we would love that. Let's have you start shadowing classes while you work on your certification. Once they get certified, then they do, you know, their formal audition and then they're assigned um, a veteran instructor to team teach with and they team teach until they're comfortable. So there's a whole process. And that is so important to me. And I think this goes back to my campus recreation roots because I I knew nothing else. Mm. That's how everyone was certified in college. You know, you, nobody (laughs) knew how to teach at 18. Nobody was certified. So we all took the semester long course together. It was a process. Then we got certified and then we team taught because just thinking about being a brand new instructor, Stepping up in front of 20 people and putting that microphone on, never having team taught or practice with a mentor, like walking fresh out of a certification. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl, I've been that's there. That's terrifying. There. <laughs> I totally understand why
0: that's terrifying, you know?
1: And that's what so many people are expected to do or they think that that is their only option is to go take a certification on the weekend, audition for a job, and then kind of walk in there a little bit cold turkey and... If there was more of mentoring going on in this industry, I think people would one last yeah. a lot longer in the industry. They would feel so much more successful and have so much more job satisfaction, and would be so much more bought in at the facility where they were mentored. And then, well, hopefully yeah, and, and it goes to back teach. to
0: that permission. We um, were talking about clients asking, "Oh, is it okay if I do this?" I mean that. It, goes right to the teachers of, oh, is it okay if I teach after this weekend? And I tell people you could have taught yesterday. You you could have taught (laughs) whatever you want. Will it be the greatest? Will it be? I don't know. There's a lot of, I don't know. I don't know your backgrounds fully or someone else might not know, but having the space to practice with friends or have a mentor that's you know, giving you feedback because as a group fitness instructor, as a bar instructor, you're alone in that room. And the ability to be apprentice, like that apprenticeship, I mean, that goes back to Pilates. I also think Pilates kind of went in the realm of like dictatorship a little bit. Um, I love Pilates. It's, (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love teaching it, but there is a little bit more of like militant, um, yeah and like this is how you do it you can't do it any other way it's shifting it's changing but that's kind of how I was taught it was just you know regurgitate repeat and then kind of figure it out later and but in the dance world and and, you know universities became more popular I would say like 20 years ago to go to school for dance Um, but nobody was right I certainly I took a few classes in pedagogy but I knew how to teach before walking in there because you're taught from the time you're walking and in class, the progression of a class, you're taught the exercises, you're watching, you're learning, and then you have to maybe teach your friend part of the routine or the whole idea of apprenticeship is infused in the dance world. It's like you you just are constantly... getting that by osmosis and then you're just kind of you are a little bit thrown in to that situation but and I would say I'm never unconfident it was just kind of like oh yeah I've seen this a thousand times I've had to teach so-and-so this choreography you just end up doing it where a lot of fitness weekend certs which I'm a weekend cert as well the expectation of okay now fly away but being able to give that opportunity for mentorship or also give the permission of hey practice with your friends like you don't have to like go knocking down studio doors if you don't want to or find people find find a space where then you do a community class get your feet wet you know like try it out before you feel like you have to go to somebody else's space right it's just that I think permission of yeah, you could have already done it, but having somebody be there with you, I think, is a better, more positive experience.
1: <laughs> and I get emails and messages and text messages and Instagram all the time from people that have done certifications with me asking extremely specific questions. Like, is it okay to do a squat <laughs> song after the one's yeah. track or whatever? You know what I mean? And, yeah. Well, does that feel good sure. to you? Then that's <laughs> good, you know. But you're right. I mean, people just need kind of that permission, and and that is what you get from a mentor. Is the saying of, hmm. "Yes, I think that's a great idea. Let's try it out. Let's see how it goes." I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've been doing this for a long time, every day, three times a day. There's <laughs> still sometimes in class that I'm like,
0: what Bad, was every I day thinking? of my life? I'm like, like this, <laughs> yeah,
1: watch. abort the mission. Just. Squat in place, well I think squat, that's right?
0: again bringing it yeah. back to step thats why I think step is so great you just step it out you just step touch step touch and then you figure out right what... exactly. Out, out. exactly exactly so okay. outside of bar and fitness, where do you draw your inspiration
1: um it can be very broad that's it can be very question. focused
0: but that's just
1: sure Um. So my husband works in um, the athletic field. And so we're around athletic events and teams all the time. And so I love to see that kind of group, the team mentality and the supporting one another and the celebrating other people's victories. So I think that definitely inspires me in a lot of ways to think about how we can make our classes more than just a workout. How can we make it? a community experience or a team experience where other people are supporting one another. So we talk a lot, um, you know, at my studio or within the Bar Above community about Hmm. creating that community, intentionally creating that community because it not only makes people want to exercise more, but helps them get so much more out of exercising. You know, it becomes a... Full body, mental, spiritual, physical experience for people when they're also being emotionally supported. So emotionally supported as a participant in my studio, but then also emotionally yeah. supported as a bar instructor. The community and <laughs> the amazing podcast like this one, yes. and the great. Well, but really the great thing that you know we strive to post on Instagram. The whole point of that is to help support other instructors. So definitely a lot through that. And then, you know, looking at my kiddos and how they view exercise and movement as something that is fun and that they do as play, you know, they make each class as play. It should be or I hope to make it that way for adults where it is something that they look forward to or that they view as something fun to do. Okay. I have Saturday morning off. What can I go do? Let's go to the bar and then go to brunch. You know, I want that to be something that they look forward to doing in a way that they would look for in the same way that they would look forward to going to a social event with their friends. You know, I want it to be viewed. And yeah,
0: and play is the key um, word there. Right. And it goes back to the early days of group fitness. It was play. It was fun. It was silly. And it, you know, I'm sure taken very seriously for some people. Um, But you know, right. we do these movements every day. And, you know, I have some people that come into class or come into, you know, my one-on-one sessions and they'll say like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You know, a certain movement of their body. And I'm like, oh, well, did you oh, get out yes. of bed this morning? <laughs> did you tie your shoes this morning? Oh, well, yeah. But I'm like, okay, well let's build up where you can do that with more confidence. Right. So if you, if you can't roll up, I mean, how are you, are you rolling onto your side or could you actually roll up today? Could you roll up out of bed? And um, so I like to kind of question, like what people are doing in their day-to-day lives and relate it to the movement, because most of the time we're doing things like, Oh, I can't, my favorite, this is my favorite. And no dig on anyone that's ever said this because it's coming from a place of just not knowing, but I can't rotate anymore. I can't twist. I'm like, "What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, all right, like look over your shoulder. like, oh, did you turn around today? Like wh- just because you can't do the deepest twist of your life ever, ever, doesn't mean no twisting, right? You're then further restricting your movement, which is probably not going to be great in the long run for your body. So what well, can you do? So I always try to bring it back. Well, what can you do? If you rolled out of bed, was it did you use your hands? or you know, what how can you, you make it happen? In order to not lose movement, because as we know, as we get older, we begin to lose movement to the point of maybe having very little mobility. And we want to prevent that as long or as much as we can, right? We want to prevent it at all costs. So if you are a young spring chicken, anyone but under 70 years old, like, you know, I have 30-something-year-old clients saying, oh, I can't rotate anymore. I can't do any extension, Besides for any really major, major injuries, I always try to question and kind of get to the root of like, well, why Why do you think you can't? Or what can you actually do? And can you do a little bit? I
1: hope I right. I'm, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so I don't – yeah, it's – in that play, I do think, like, that play comes into it because we don't think about walking down the street or getting out of our car or looking over our shoulder when we're driving as maybe rotation. But it certainly – if you can't rotate, then you can't be driving. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, it kind of just goes back to then relating it to, yeah, even watching kids, like, um, I'm sure from – your classes and bar too. you know, knees is a big thing, right? You know, like some knee issues come up, whether they came from somewhere else or whatever, but, you know, bending the knees to a certain degree, that's a big fear for people if they've had any kind of knee issue before or knee injury. And then I always like, I just kind of related to other exercises. Oh, well, can, you know, are you sitting crisscross, can you, are you kneeling? Are you, you know, can you, sit back on your heels and what is that? Are you in yoga? Are you doing child's pose? You know, just kind of like getting a sense of like, well, why do you think it's bad? Is it actually bad for you? And then how much of it can we actually do? Um, but yeah, it goes yeah, with playing, like definitely. playing with those exercises. So even for teachers, I don't, and I'm sure you do this with your mentoring just, and you said before, just asking those questions, well, did it feel good for you? Cause if not abort abort, but <laughs> And that's part of the process. It's not wrong. It's not a major mistake. You didn't mess up or whatever. It's just part of the process. And um, as a teacher, how would you describe your own personal teaching style?
1: So, my own personal teaching style, we've kind of mentioned this a few times in different aspects, but I am a huge fan of making group fitness Mm. an experience for my participants so I want them to come in I want them to think that it is going to be something that is fun that is you know maybe a dance party and almost to think of it as I'm going to be sweaty and get a great workout as a byproduct of having Mm, a great time you know and for me I'm a very kind of high strung very anxious person always running a mental to do list in my head. And so exercise is so much more than just a physical element. To me, it is very much mental, how I deal with stress, it's how I process ideas, it's how I, you Mm -hmm. know, I call it moving meditation, I sitting still, And meditating for me is very tough. But going to take a kickboxing class where I have to focus on the choreography, Mm -hmm. that is my form of meditation. I do a whole 45 minutes without worrying about my to-do list. So I try to keep that in mind when I'm teaching. You know, what are the participants walking into my class, weighing on their minds and weighing on their shoulders? And how do I need to structure my class? Does it need to be very choreographed or less choreographed or harder or maybe a little softer today to help them get what they need? How can I cue in a way that makes everyone feel, you know, like a rock star when they leave my class, no matter what level they chose, Mm. or we don't call them levels in my classes, we call them options. But, you know, if someone chose option one the entire class, they should still walk out of my class feeling like Beyonce, right next to that person, you know, that went all out the whole entire time. Um, so, for me, my really teaching philosophy is how can I give my people a great workout, a great experience leave have them leave class feeling successful and treat the whole person like it have the whole person feel amazing after a class because it really is so much more. Okay. Or it can be. So it can Absolutely. Than
0: just I mean, that out. ties right into like my next question for you. And you've already kind of answered it, but kind of what message you want to infuse your classes with, you know? And you're the moving, I love the idea of the moving meditation. I'm certainly someone like that too. Um, I also meditate while driving. Very strange, but like <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's showing yeah. people that you don't just have to go to yoga, you don't have to sit on a meditation pillow to meditate and focus on what you want to focus on or clear your mind of what you want to clear your mind of, or just kind of work, giving yourself some space. And so what would you say is your like overall message um, besides, you know, feeling that joy, is there something else that you want your classes to walk away feeling or something that you say in particular to your classes so that they, they know your message that you're trying to convey?
1: Yeah. So my big thing, you know, bringing the fun factor, sure, but I also want them to feel mm. very empowered and in control of their own workout. So, in the certifications I teach, I always tell new instructors, like, we can be their cheerleader, we can be their leader in the class, but the best gift that we can give them is educating them on the movement. Because we can only tell them, <laughs> good job, way to go, woohoo, you look amazing. Yeah. You know, we do that so many times, you know, that's just shooting extrinsic motivation at them over and over and over again, which is it's needed. And sometimes they need that cheerleader. And trust me, mm-hmm. I can be that cheerleader all day long. <laughs> yeah. that's when, that's my jam. But really for them to feel fully committed and come back to class and get out of it, what they need is they need to be intrinsically motivated to do the workout to their fullest ability. So I always say, when someone leaves my class, whatever class that is, I want them to think, man, I worked really hard today. Man, I did a great workout. Not man, mm-hmm. Lauren kicked my butt. Because I'm really just up there being a DJ, shouting out exercises and helping them do it with good form. They're going to have to decide if they want to burpee to tuck jump. <laughs> no, thank you. They're going to have to decide, <laughs> you know, to hold yes. the plate. They're going to have to decide to stay yeah. in the squat, whatever it is. I'm not over there holding them yeah, in right. the squat. They're doing that. And so the more educated they are on the movement patterns, why we're doing what we're doing, where they should be feeling it, what the purpose is, then my hope is the more in control of their workout they will feel. Therefore, the more in control of their body they will feel and the more successful they Absolutely. Will they Maybe you can workout.
0: touch upon this too, but that ownership – and for your class to have is so important for you not to take home that responsibility. And maybe you can speak to kind of the importance of, yeah, it's great to be a cheerleader, right? We can all do that. But if you feel so responsible, like I, you know, I didn't kick their butt today and, you know, putting ownership and responsibility on them, like you can make this work out what you want to make it and not a snarky way, but a, an offering of how are you feeling today? You can yeah. get your butt kicked in the simplest of exercises. You don't have to do, do much to get a really sweaty, intense workout, but as a teacher and maybe longevity, you can speak to, you know, for your energy, like how, how that starts to change up your teaching a little bit instead of, you know, going beyond the cheerleader.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's definitely, I think, something that comes with time and teaching and seeing how people mentally respond to how you phrase things. I think so much about teaching is figuring out a way to communicate with a really wide population. Not everyone hears everything the same way, or sees or feels everything the same way. Um, so learning how to teach in a way and to phrase things in a way where people feel like they're in charge of picking the exercise. So I'll say something like, if you don't love being up on your toes, put your heels down, but that might limit your range of motion a little bit and that's okay. So you're telling them that they can put their heels down, but maybe their range of motion becomes smaller and that's okay, Mm -hmm. but it's totally their decision on what they do. And I think a lot of the going to the saving your body kind of situation of teaching for a long time and teaching a lot of classes is I do a lot Mm. of visual demonstration, but I think so much of the energy and the intensity that we create in class is with our voice and our inflection. And sometimes (laughs) I watch myself on film if I film choreography or you know, someone filmed during a conference and I am so dramatic. It's just ridiculous sometimes, you know, I'm like down there in a crouched position when the song is slow and I'm like half whispering, but you know, I'm communicating Mm. that intensity with my voice and that is so much um, you can, you can do that. And that's part of creating the experience and helping to push them by creating kind of that mental experience in their mind, you can communicate intensity by how you say things versus, and when I say how you say things, I don't necessarily mean I'm not a yeller, I'm not over there boot camp style in anybody's ear in any class. I, I teach boot camp, but I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. Um, so it's figuring out your communication style. And how your participants yeah, absolutely respond to that, and you know what? You have to be okay with being Uh-oh. a little ridiculous. I am yeah. very okay with being. Well, ridiculous. and I think that
0: it, for new teachers, true. I think that's <laughs> also a big fear, right? Is sounding yeah. so? I sound like a. If I'm in a big group, you know, I teach at a smaller studio now and I like it that way because I can get my creative brain on and I don't have to worry so much about a big room energy where you're trying to really lead and guide because you can only do so much when there's a lot of people in the room. So right now I'm kind of in the zone of, you know, under 10, and that way I can kind of work on a little bit more of the creativity kind of stuff for what I'm doing online. But when I'm in a big room, oh my goodness, I am a weirdo. I'm like singing, I'm clapping, I'll skip, like I'll even try to do like a stadium high five run. Like it's, and it's, you know, like, and that's part of, you know, you were a cheerleader and we were very young doing these performative types of things. And it's hard coming in with maybe a little bit more life experience and a little like more embarrassment attached to certain things but the more you try to figure out how to like let go is kind of like that I don't know maybe do you have some advice for um, new teachers out there of how to break through that um, timidness or shyness or fear of looking like a not I shouldn't say crazy person but looking like you're a, like a circus performer. <laughs> yeah
1: right well I think I mean, that's a great question, Michelle. And and I think it, so much of it comes back and I will say I struggled with this in the beginning, but so much of that comes back to owning your own style and your own personality. I can remember when I graduated from grad school, I took over running the group fitness program at just a huge health club in Dallas, huge. And I was 22 and young and it was a huge program and i can remember stressing because we had some of the best instructors in the industry like instructors that were out presenting at conferences and i had to sub for someone one time that um her she she would love this story she knows the story his name is deborah pruskeric and she's like (laughs) the step goddess and i worship the step she performed on okay and she taught at this club and i had to sub for her one time and i was terrified. And I can just remember thinking, okay, channel your inner Deborah. What would Deborah do? What would Deborah do? And for the first few years of my career, when I would have to sub, especially in a situation like that, where I was subbing for someone who I thought was like super big time, I would think, okay, what would Deborah do? Or what would Sally do? Or blah, blah, blah. And it was so stressful. And I would end up just not doing mm. my best class. So when I realized that I just had to go in there and be Lauren. And I'm probably going to say, howdy, which sounds ridiculous (laughs) to anyone that's not from Texas, but that's what comes out of my mouth when I get nervous and, and just be okay with that. You start having so much more fun. And like you said earlier, there are always going to be people that don't like you. I'm way too much for some people and that's okay. And then there are other instructors Mm -hmm. that are maybe not enough for certain people and that's okay. Okay. So I think for me, one of the things that I tell new instructors to help them feel a little bit better is, one, own your own personality and just be okay with that. Some people aren't going to like you. But a tangible thing that I say to do is if you can stand at the door and greet people when they come in, you're going to make eye contact with them. They're going to know that you really care, and it gives you an opportunity to create a very quick, yes, but kind of connection with each individual. And then when you get up on stage, you're going to be a little bit less nervous, but you're also going to be, they're going to feel like they have a little bit more connection with you, which automatically kind of breaks Mm -hmm. down those barriers, right? We hopefully, most people, want to see other people succeed, especially if you already have some kind of connection with them. So just new instructors, know that you have to own it. Try to meet people and greet people, whether you're subbing or it's just you're new in a studio, the more you can get to know the people that you work out with, the more relaxed you will feel and the more engaged they will feel with you, which creates a better experience. I
0: love that advice. And I know when I sub myself and, you know, I tell people, hey, I teach in the morning. I don't, you know, special guest appearance on the weekend or whatever I'm teaching and, You know, let's Mm -hmm. have some fun. Like, so kind of letting them know, too, that it might be a little different and it's okay. And, like, so-and-so. And, and you know, I say, oh, so-and-so is coming back next week. And so, you know, just so everyone's, like, kind of knowing what's going on. Okay. Like, even if I really hate Michelle, (laughs) she's not going to be here next week. Great. Okay. (laughs) You know, so. But, yeah. And then it puts me in a place where I'm, like, I am letting you know I'm going to teach the way that I feel comfortable teaching. We're all here trying to have a good time and move. Let's do it together. Let's see what happens. So I I agree with you. But even just that simple hello at the door makes an instant connection, which puts you at ease too. And you can start knowing people's names. And Ah. this goes right into your latest creation, Musicality. So I want to chat about that because as bar teachers, not only do we have to do everything we just talked about for the last almost hour, but throw in some music and what do you get? More stress. Right. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit more about musicality and how
1: that method came about for you? Sure. So yes, the musicality method is an online course that we created um, about, gosh, a little bit over a year and a half ago. And it stems from Kind of going back to actually what we were talking about, about, you know, starting teaching is really hard, especially if you don't have a mentor. And so many people, they go out and they get one day certifications, Mm. which are great, but there's only so much that you can cover in an eight hour cert, right? So if you're learning how to teach bar, there's really not a lot of time for someone to hand hold and clap and snap and help you learn how to cue and all that. So the goal of the musicality method was really to help new and veteran instructors, because it really goes into so much more than just teaching music, really master those intangible skills of being a great, engaging, energetic instructor. So we talk about how to count music, how to choreograph to music, how do you format exercises to music in a way that is easy to follow and then also easy for you to memorize? We talk a ton about cueing. Um, so when do you actually need a cue an exercise before you switch to the next exercise? How do you offer modifications and progressions in a positive way um, how do you give form cues and count music and a cheerleader <laughs> and move around the room, all of those things at one time while not losing your train of thought and smiling and sometimes doing the exercises, you know, how do you do all of that? Um, we talk about how to create community before, during, and after class and then how to command the room. When you go to a class, you go to some classes and you're like, oh, that was a good class. And then you go to some class and you're like, oh my gosh, that was a great class. And so we kind of discussed the, the elements that take it from good to great and how you can infuse those into your classes. So we really kind of tried to touch on some of those things that you can't just get in you an eight-hour certification. They take practice and they take, like, there are legitimate worksheets. Oh, worksheet girls, yes. In Me too. You I have know? so many worksheets. Yes. <laughs> you know, there are worksheets to help you <laughs> do write your best introduction, and to how to count the music and how to offer modifications. So like really tangible practice to try to help make it easy for people to feel comfortable when they do put on that microphone. Um, and so that was really kind of my goal is I wanted people to love teaching group fitness as much as I love teaching group fitness. And let's be honest, Michelle, you know, I mean, it takes work. It's not just stepping up there and, and putting on the microphone, but it is so worth it. If you put in the effort, and so that's what we wanted to create with this musicality method was kind of a way to help people go from mm-hmm. okay, I know the exercises. Now, how do I make well, it? Well, you hit awesome, it right. Awesome. right. You cannot, and you cannot
0: learn everything in a one-day certification, and, it, and that is something really? I'm super upfront with. And it's not meant to teach you everything, right? It's like these steps, and I love the Pilates system of teaching you is because it's. It's done in layers, right? You, and I get time and money, but you cannot learn everything in one day. You can learn the – pretty much you can scratch the surface. But the teaching to the music, and it's something that we touch upon in the eight-hour training that I have, but it is not something that right. we drill in because it is an – it's its own beast, Again, it's same with like anatomy, same with like creating choreography, like these different modalities. And I'm so excited that you have an offering like this because there's, again, not enough of it. There's not enough voices at the table of like, this is the way we teach to music, or this is, you know, here's a way you can do it and make it not stressful and make it fun and have a tool in your back pocket to call upon because I I think sometimes we try, we, I don't know, sometimes I feel like out there, there's a bit of a screen up where it's like, learn everything you can in this one day. And it's like, no, like, here's a worksheet. You're going to go home and you're going to play with this worksheet. This is day one of the next part of your journey in this information. (laughs) get your worksheets, come back, take some classes online, come back to a workshop. Here's another chunk for you. Here's another chunk for you. And I, I just think this is so exciting that there's something out there for people to engage in. I know it's something I aspire to because like you, you know, I have a background in moving to music for my entire life and you have to learn music in order to be able to teach to music and you know, I tell my trainees, I'm like, that's, that's for another time because we can scratch upon it. But if I'm going to sit here and draw, you know, a musical measure for you, <laughs> I will do it. We will start clapping <laughs> right. and we will learn how to count a beat. But it's, it's a whole nother thing. And um, I think my college professor somewhere out there who I t- have, we had to take a, a music for dancers course at my university. And we had to clap out this very complicated rhythm as our final. And it was, I mean, that was my final. I went to dance school. So, like, (laughs) and I, like, we would just, like, laugh and be like, this is so silly. Like, we were just such young, teenage, 20-year-old somethings. Like, like, oh, this is so dumb. And I'm like, oh, my God, everybody needs to take this clap. If you're going to teach group right. fitness, if you're going to teach a bar class, because clapping those rhythms and being able to know what a whole note, a half note, quarter note is, is going to save your life. And yeah, I really, really am excited that you have this. And so when you launch, you said about Thank a year and a half you. ago, and then when this airs, it'll probably be about like two years because we're going to be launching a little bit later. But who are your biggest supporters when you first launched this, like who was the team of your own cheerleaders that you would kind of call upon to give you some support?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Trisha Murphy Madden, um, who works, um, she's one of the other creators of Bar Above has, I mean, she's just one of my biggest cheerleaders in life in general. Um, She's always so supportive and, and shares the love of making Bar fun and accessible. Um, So she's definitely one of them. My mentor back at Texas A&M, her name is Dayon Wosley. And she always told us, so when you became an instructor at A&M, you had to audition with Step because she said, if you could teach Step, you can teach anything. And I I do think that so rings true because we we had the 32 count drilled into us. And, um, you know, Dionne was old school with the high-low step aerobics and the first day of our um, training class I love this story nobody knew who she was and she hid in the closet <laughs> and comes busting out in her yeah. tights and thong leotard and like headband and like didn't even we, nobody knew what was happening we all had to get up and do like old school high-low like, this is amazing I have arrived yeah. um, these are my people Stay on. And then um, I have a sweet, sweet friend. Her name is Allison Smith. And we've been teaching together since college. And she is the number one person that always, I call her and I'm like, Allison, do you think this is a good idea? She's like, yes, it's totally a great idea. I'm like, okay, good. Yes, it is so
0: important for everybody to have their own cheering squad because you know, there's kind of that saying, like, you can search for the answers and find the answer you you want if you search hard enough, right? We've all been on Google searching whatever little scratch wow. we have on us and then go down the pit of like, oh, it's okay. Or if you really are thinking that it's something major, you could also find that answer too. So I just think it's just so, so important to have, you know, those dream weavers on your side, because if we don't have them, right, then we're kind of like, well, maybe, you know, we're stuck in our own head. And um, you just touched upon Bar Above. Can you tell us a little bit more how you got involved with Bar Above? And then you were um, then co-creator of their enhanced program. Am I correct?
1: Awesome. Yes. So um, I actually, in 2014, created a different bar program called Pulse Point Bar. And we went around the country and trained instructors and um, it was wonderful. And then um, in 2016 um, or 2017, Trisha Murphy Madden approached me and was like, you know, we have so many of the same goals and there are certain aspects about your program that we love and there are certain aspects about their program um, that I loved. And we just thought we could do bigger things together. And, you know, we tossed around ideas for almost a year before we actually decided to go with it. Um, and so we ended up merging our two programs. We kept the bar above name because sure. they were much bigger than my little pulse point bar. Um, but we rewrote all the manuals. That's really when we filmed the musicality method. Cause one of the things that um, they really wanted to do was to bring in more of the music aspect. And that whole side of the programming was a huge component of pulse point bar. And so we filmed the musicality method and, um, Tricia and Leslie mm-hmm. Bender, so the Bender Balls, Leslie is um, one of the other co-creators, worked to kind of really revamp the program. It went from an eight-hour certification to now it's worth 12 CEUs. And it has just, I mean, it's been better than anything I could have ever hoped for. You know, you always worry. You own your own company. What, what's going to happen if mm-hmm. I let go of my baby? And just Favier and the Bar Above team have just been stellar. So I feel so incredibly blessed and we have an amazing group of master trainers that work so so hard all across the country and it's it's just really been a dream which I I will say going in I didn't know how it was gonna go so um I feel so so happy that's amazing like finding
0: finding your people right you said that before finding your people knowing yes. you're
1: right where you need
0: to be and yeah there is some that negotiation of like, is this the time to let go? Is it a time to, you know, I, I, it's important for me to do collaborations outside of bar variations. And that's kind of how this podcast was born as well, because yeah, it's me. It's just me, me, me. And that's, that's a little bit too much me. (laughs) And, you know, I've, I've been involved (laughs) with, um, past companies before with like VCs and other partners and, and it didn't work. So for me, the, idea of collaborating is still so important on a level where it's an alignment for everybody. Everybody has to be lifted up by right. this collaboration. And if it, if it's not kind of working for one person, then it's not meant to be. But I, do, I really think it's awesome to know that there's another company out there that has, you know, done a merge or done a collaboration that's been successful and positive and supportive of each person involved. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but like back in the early days, you know, you go to these fitness conventions and the idea of having a co-creator, it was like, well, how can we promote two people? <laughs> and right. I feel like right. that isn't the case anymore. Like co-creator does not get confusing for people. I don't think it's, it, you know, does anything bad to the brand except lift it up and be like, hey, look at how many people are working on this amazing thing. So
1: Yes, exactly. And, and Tricia, Leslie, and I, I, we have very, I don't want to say we're, we're all instructors. We all have a passion for it. But our main really big passions are all kind of different. Leslie comes from a great Pilates background. Tricia is one of the best education program content developers. I mean, you have <laughs> ever seen. Homegirl has more, written more programs than I can even fathom. And then for me, it's all about bringing the musicality and the energy and helping instructors, you know, which was the point of the musicality method to kind of really harness their own style. And so, you know, when we all three came together, it just really works great. And I mean, there is there of work is to go around. there <laughs> is I am yeah, there totally favorite. is. And
0: if you know, people don't know Leslie Bender, she's inventor of the the Bender Ball. And I like she's like fitness goddess. I'm like, I'm sorry, if anybody can take a ball, they have their programming behind there's just so much room. There's so much there's so much room and like genius, genius, genius. So if you don't know what bender ball is, you you probably do. It's green. You've probably seen it. (laughs) Go check it out. Um, so I wanna move on to a segment where I I call it Heard at the Bar. It's something I do on social media. And I want to ask you if there's something that you've heard about bar or bar classes or something in the bar industry that um, you'd like to either myth bust or something that you know to be so true. And it can be something as light as, oh, I didn't think I could be a dancer to do bar, you know, something like that to like, or maybe
1: something that
0: you're like, oh, this is so true about bar and that's maybe not true for something else.
1: Yeah. Um, So as far as myth busting, I always love it when people are like, oh, no, no, I can't do bar. I can't Mm. put my foot up on the bar. And I'm like, what? in In all my years of teaching bar, never have I asked someone to put their foot up on the bar. They're like imagining, Mm -hmm. you know, the hamstring stretch with the foot on the bar. And they think that if they can't do that, they can't do bar. And I'm like, no, actually, you know, bar was created as a more strength oriented class. It was never designed to be a dance fitness class. A ballerina created it to rehab herself back to dancing. So I think there's, you know, that big misconception that they're going to be going into. Yes. Well, I love that. That's like the measure. It's like, you (laughs) see that literal bar and being like,
0: I can't get my leg up in there. There's no way I'm doing this class, which right. Yeah. And I will also one up that to being like, you've never seen an actual ballet bar then, because those things I'm five, one, and they're about up to my neck. So (laughs) I was like, right. I feel you. And I was yes. teaching at another yes. uh, studio up in Boston at the Tone Club. And she does step there, actually. still she has her steps and everything. And, you know, her bars were a little bit on the high end. And she's like, it's OK. We just grab the steps and we step right up to the bar. And I'm like, I love that. I love there's a will, there's a way. But I love, but it's, yeah, it's that right. visual, like, intimidation of like, oh, I'm not putting my leg up on that. <laughs> And is there something right, that you right. know to yeah. be, like, true about bar classes or the bar industry in general?
1: Or something you've heard, yeah. Or something you've Yeah. Well, one that I thought was so funny the other day, I saw a meme. Um, some, a, it it may have been Bar Above or another bar studio. I can't really tell. And it was, like, it's always the nicest instructors that kill you the worst yeah. or that beat you the hardest. <laughs> And I was like, I, I feel like that is, can ring so true to bar because I think about it like in a gym setting, you walk past the window of a bar class and we're sitting there in a plie, maybe we're pulsing or holding it or something like, I mean, it doesn't look like crazy burpees, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I could totally do that. And then they come in, and you're like, <laughs> what is happening? Uh, I taught, I taught a Valentine's class this year and um, so it was couples and, you know, I made my husband come, who he's in very good mm-hmm. shape. But, you know, there's a difference. And a bunch of his friends came with, like, our couple friends came. And a lot of the husbands were in, in very, very good shape. And they were just dying. And they were being such good sports about it. They were working so, so hard. Um, but people look in and they see ranges of motion. The girl's smiling. Well, and then they get in there and they have a war zone. Uh, <laughs> which I <think> is <laughs> awesome. I think it, it deceptively is challenging. Deceptively,
0: deceptively challenging, deceptively challenging. I love that. And it's so true. And I think that yeah. is like a leftover from the dance world, right? Like you could be doing something that's so hard and you have to look like you're either having the best time of your life or some other emotion is yeah. happening on stage other than like, holy moly, I have to get my leg above my head or hold right. relevant, you know, hold this balance or whatever you're doing. And I, there's somehow that has trickled in. So you have these people teaching bar that are looking like they're having literally the best time because they probably are. Right. And then it doesn't quite match where like there's all those cliches, right? If you're going to be like doing the heavy weightlifting, you're expecting somebody that's like, really built up or if you're I don't know there's always those like kind of tropes that fall into different fitness categories and training or whatever but the bar is for sure like the deceptively hard part like you just kind of say oh they seem so nice and then you're like wait what like I thought we were gonna stretch or like you know I thought we were gonna do that like there's all these like misconceptions of just you know you can't really judge it by its cover or by the instructor because we all come from different backgrounds and experiences and shapes and sizes and then I love that about bar because it's just not what you think it's going to be and then you're like oh my god it's so hard
1: (laughs) right right Um, but then I also think that's why so many people come back because they fall in love
0: (laughs) absolutely I, I agree there you quality, and it's and you know if you can learn how to like hold a plank with a smile, like I think that's going to get you through maybe a hard business meeting later that week, right? Like, you can...
1: Totally a transferable skill. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: So where do you see the future of you know Lauren George Fitness in the future? Like where do you see that path going for you?
1: Yeah, so I would really love to obviously keep sharing bar above and mentoring other instructors, and then. Um My whole goal with you know, my career in general, I think, is to help instructors find their path in the fitness industry. And then um, now that I've been in the studio world for a while, I managed um, a couple of different studios in Austin and now owning a studio. I love the community environment that that studio setting allows participants and studio owners to find. Um, so I really hope to grow in that way as well, and to help other studio owners, whether it's opening their studios or helping them create new programming ideas or training plans for their instructors. Um, So maybe going from mentoring just instructors, I always want to keep doing that, but also to mentoring group fitness managers and studio managers is kind of um, where I'm pushing ahead right now as well.
0: Great, great, great. One last segment for you, and it's called what's in your bar bar so for example right now in my bar it consists of mainly you know tea sparkling water the occasional glass of wine nothing too crazy I'm a water girl all the way but um and I also just bought one of those like whatever the soda streams (laughs) and I'm just kind of of counting down the days of like when am I not gonna use this anymore (laughs) but so that's kind of what's stocked in my bar fancy sparkling water that I make myself so I want to know what's stocked in your either tea coffee juice or spirits bar
1: Yes, well, uh, my bar is currently in the middle of my living room because I have no kitchen, it's easily accessible. Um, but it is definitely stocked with probably way too much coffee, lots of water with none tablets for when I teach mm. my super sweaty classes, and then there you go, it all back.
0: there you like, go, sure. amazing! <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Lauren, for joining me today <laughs> and sharing your story, your journey, and letting us all. Take a peek inside of your life. And can you just tell the listeners where they can find and follow
1: you? Yes. Well, first, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, But you can find me on Instagram at Lauren George Fitness and on Facebook at Lauren George Fitness. And then my website is um, Lauren G. Thank you, Lauren. You're most welcome.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. This was great. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at barvariations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.